This morning, our lead pastor, Andrew, is on vacation with his wife. They're celebrating their 29th anniversary. And so we have the privilege of having our friend Gaylord um, facilitate a really cool testimony about how God redeems. So thank you, Gaylord and Mark, in a few minutes. Lord, would you bless these two men as they share of your goodness, of your redemption, of your power. And um, we just ask God that you would be speaking to us about each of those things in our own life. In your name, amen. Amen. Wow, I'm so grateful for that, and it's uh, just great to be together again. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for just gathering as family, and, uh, and, and being, uh, there's such an encouragement that comes as we're able to share with one another, encourage one another. Today is, as you know, we've been in this Lessons from Three Kings, and you can see um, the, the lesson series. I mean, isn't it amazing how over and over again, there are lessons which uh, that Andrew's been pulling out from this time. So if we, are we up on the screen here? How are we doing? I see it on this screen, but not on the back one. Okay. Um, lessons from Three Kings. There we go. Okay, good. Uh, now, the interesting thing uh, from this is a lot of life applications. We can learn from Saul, from David, from Solomon. There are things they did right, and there are things that they did wrong. There are times that they pleased God. There are times that they displeased God. And we see very clearly how challenging life was for them. Now, I, I have rarely said this publicly in a group like this, uh, but I'm going to say something that's kind of a personal quote, and I've used it periodically, but I'm going to share it with you this morning. Life's just about the toughest thing I've ever tried to do. <laughs> it's right up there. It's right up there. Uh, how many of you uh, can identify with that? I mean, it's just like the challenges that life brings uh, there is no way to predict it. There is no way to uh, shield ourselves from all of those challenges. It's just the nature of what it's like to be living here on planet Earth. And I, uh, I was uh, kind of heartened to put this on when uh, I recently saw a part of the actor uh, John Voight. Some of you know him. He's been an actor for 50, I think, 50-some years maybe. But I, I heard him being interviewed, interviewed, and he shared a part of his testimony about coming to faith. And uh, as he's beginning to share it, I'll, I'll just take a little piece of it. He says, I was in a lot of trouble at one point early in my career. I had a divorce. I was really suffering for many reasons. My career was in flux, my children, my wife, and I was laying on the floor in my house, and I found myself saying, it's so difficult. It's so difficult. And I heard in my ear, it's supposed to be difficult. <laughs> now, interestingly enough, for him, that day changed his life. He had no idea God could speak to him. But that day, he heard the voice of God saying, it's supposed to be difficult. And he said, I got up with an awareness that I was not alone, 
everything is known. I felt tremendous energy. Somebody's rooting for me. Don't give up. There's a purpose here for it. Uh, You got a ways to go, son. And when I got up the next morning, he said, I was not used to praying with the thought that someone was actually listening. But he said, from that day on, I began to pray knowing that God heard me, and, and, and he was watching out over me. I think that's significant for us. Well, when I, when I read that and I thought about that little saying that I use periodically, life's about the toughest thing I've ever tried to do, I, I, I have to confess to you, I prefer um, when Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. That's totally true. Because the grace of God enables us to live this life and to, to uh, experience whatever we need to uh, be successful in life and face the challenges he allows to come to us. But when I, I heard this testimony from um, John Voigt, I, I looked up some of the scriptures that came to mind, and I found a couple of them. For example, James chapter 1, verse 2, uh, two through 4. Consider it. Pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. How many of you get that? I mean, you see, it's, it's there. It's... Uh, it's the nature of life. And then I thought of Hebrews, and my wife has encouraged me with this numbers of times or helped me consider it in moments of testing. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 through 7. My son, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves. Endure hardship as discipline. God's treating you as sons, treating you as daughters. For what child is not disciplined by their parent? So we know that there are difficulties and challenges in life. And it's in this journey of walking with the Lord, going through tests and trials and things that, um, that assault us, that hinder us, that seem to be disabilities to us. It's all of those things that the Lord helps us and meets us in and helps us overcome. And I, I th- thought of this testimony of Leonard Ravenhill. He has a statement which I heard years ago. He says, a man with an experience of God is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. And uh, uh, I found that to be true. Because when God began to work in my life and I began to experience that miracle, uh, the arguments that people would give to me and say, there is no God, he has no interest in us, those arguments no longer impacted me because I had had an experience of God's intervention. Today, um, I'm going to invite a friend up because much of this service today is going to be him sharing his testimony. And uh, Mark uh, uh, McGuire, come on up. Mark uh, Greg McGuire, sorry. Come on up. 
And uh, he's going to be sharing with us uh, his story today. And uh, let's welcome him. He's a part of this congregation. You've recognized him from the door when he's greeting people. So we just welcome you, Mark. And we're so excited you're part of the body of Christ. And you're part of this story. So here's his story, and he's sticking to it. And he's going to share it with us today. So I'm just going to start by asking you a question. Uh, There's something that's happened to you in the last year. And it's happened in the context of even your involvement here in this congregation. What's been different about this last year? Yet, Let's start there before we go into the other part of the story. Okay, great. Thank you, Pastor Gaylord. I appreciate you very much. Um, The place where I've lived, my address has been shame, uncontrolled thoughts, fear, hopelessness, bitterness, and insecurity. In 2020, August, I decided that I needed to draw closer to the Lord. And so, what did that look like? Well, I decided in starting in September that I was going to pray and fast every Saturday for the next six weeks. And it was a um, fasting from sunup to sundown. And I also started listening to sermons on uh, YouTube for between four and eight hours daily. I started reading my Bible, and I started a process of renewing my mind. And what this equaled was the joy of the Lord. I'm 67 years old, and this has been the first time that I have experienced the joy of the Lord, and I started my walk at age 10. Lord, thank you. What a victory. Amen. What an amazing victory to have come to that. Now, the interesting thing, we've had some, some time together, and I know your story. Um, and you're not going to get to share all of it today, but you are going to share some pieces. And honestly, it's one of the most amazing stories, and we're going to summarize it at the end. But I want you to go back because you have a very unusual history of how you got started. Tell us the story. Okay. Um, you know, first of all, I want to give praise to the Lord Jesus. My uh, testimony is about his faithfulness. Um, my problems started in my mother's womb, while I was in my mother's womb. My father was an alcoholic and a womanizer. My mother was the daughter of a coal miner. She grew up in Pennsylvania. He would stop off on the way home from work and get drunk, and then he'd come home and beat his wife and his kids. My father, um, I have two older siblings, uh, two sisters. And my father uh, had abandoned my mother and left her with these two young children. And then they got back together and remarried and came out here to Chico, uh, where I was born. Now, while I was in my mother's womb, my my mother found out that my father had gotten another woman pregnant. And so she went into shock. And all of the emotions that she felt, all of the adrenaline, all of the stress, just got pumped through me. And I was born six weeks premature at three pounds, eight ounces. 
And then at the age of about a year and a half, my dad got on a train, left, never came back. And my mother was a stay-at-home mom, so she was in desperate straits. She had to farm us children out to our relatives. We got sent back east, and I got to stay with my grandparents. And a year later, she came to pick us up. And when she picked me up, I was looking at her and going, who is this woman, and why am I having to leave and go with her? But she brought me back here to Chico, and because of all the traumas that she suffered at the hands of men in her life, she was a little bit man-hating, and she transferred all of her aggression onto me. And I suffered a tremendous amount of physical and emotional abuse. And starting at um, age 10 years old, now I was attending the uh, Catholic school here in, in Chico. And um, after school one day, I decided that uh, I wanted to find God. I wanted, uh, so I said to my friend, I said, Johnny, I said, hey, you know, God is supposed to be living over there in that building. Let's go find him. And so we did. And uh, that day I met the Lord. He showed up. I got lost in the Holy Spirit for two hours. Lost track of time. And it was just incredible. <laughs> Wait just a second. I'm going to interrupt you just for a second here. Mm -hmm. Inside St. John's, you really encountered the Lord at 10 years of age. A Catholic church. Rocked your life. How many of you know God's everywhere? And he wants to meet people where we are. Go ahead. Tell the story. Amen for that. So my uh, second encounter, I'm at age 13, and by this time I'm smoking weed. And um, I've got some friends that uh, they said, well, uh, two, of my, two of these friends were drug dealers. And... Um, they said, hey, let's uh, go to the Holy Roller Church tonight. We'll smoke weed before we go in, and then we'll go in and we'll make fun of the Holy Rollers. And so um, this was the Assemblies of God Church. <laughs> <laughs> and so we did, and um, two of my friends were sitting in one pew, and the two drug dealers were sitting behind us, and um, they uh, nudged us and they said, hey, yeah, go on up, go forward. This was during altar call. Uh, go forward and, and just roll around on the stage and have all kinds of fun. And, and so I got up there, and uh, because of my experience with the Lord previously, I decided, you know, this is, this is just not good. I'm not going to mock God. And so I uh, asked the Lord to forgive me of my sins and to come into my heart. Now, being raised a Catholic, I didn't know what that really meant or entailed. And so um, later that evening, I got a call from one of my friends, and he said, hey, Mark, um, the two brothers are, uh, the sheriffs have shown up at their doorstep, and they're being arrested. And I learned right then and there that God will not be mocked. And so then, um, in my teenage years, uh, my mother started to speak curses over me telling me that I was worthless, that I was no good, that I was never going to succeed, that she was going to have to take care of me for the rest of my life. And um, I had my high school sweetheart, and we were talking about getting married after high school, and I told my mom, and she, uh, she wasn't going to have anything to do with that. So she got together with her mom, and 
broke us up. And uh, then she told me, she said, Mark, you're never going to be able to get married because you will never be able to afford a wife. I am going to have to take care of you until I die. And so uh, at age 19, I have my third encounter with the Lord. And as I come home, I see this Jehovah Witness tract on my front doorstep, and I pick it up, and I read it, and I could see that we're in the end times, and I got scared. So I started going to the Catholic Church and the Assemblies of God Church, and I noticed that there was a difference in the doctrine. And so I really wanted to know the truth about God. So for the next two weeks, um, when my mother would go to work, from 8 in the morning until 5 in the evening, I got down on my face and I prayed. And all I would pray was, Lord, please show me the truth. And then the plumbing broke in my house. And so uh, a general contractor showed up to uh, fix it. And my mother said, well, you know, he is a uh, ordained minister. Why don't you ask him uh, what he knows about the Bible? So I did. And he said, Mark, do you have a uh, King James Bible? And I said, yeah, I sure do. And he said, well, give it to me. So I uh, brought it to him, and, and uh, I expected him to open it up and read something to me that was going to clarify the picture. And instead, he turned around and stuffed it back into my hands, and he said, Mark, if you want to know the truth about God, you'll read it for yourself, and don't let any man tell you what... Uh, this means that God is perfectly capable of letting you know what you need to know. And then he invited me out to his home uh, Bible fellowship. Uh, he was a retired Church of God pastor. And so he was in his 128th reading of the New Testament. And so I started going to his home fellowship, and uh, it was seven nights a week, an hour of praise and worship an hour of Bible study, and an hour of prayer, seeking the Holy Spirit. And during that two-and-a-half-year period, I had read the New Testament myself 28 times. So I show up one evening, and uh, there was nobody there except for the uh, pastor and his wife. And, and uh, he tells me, you know, if, if you don't want to have anything to do with God, then I don't want you around here either. And so I left, and and he had demonized all the denominations in town, and he had taught that uh, one faith, one Lord, one baptism, the same faith that it takes for the resurrection is the same faith for healing. And so we were not allowed to go to doctors during that two-and-a-half-year period. And I thought, well, gee, if I can't go to church anywhere, um, and if I don't have anybody to support me, then I might as well go back and and. Go do, do my own, own thing. And so I started fornicating and going out to the bars and just doing whatever I felt like doing. And for the next 10 years, I, um, I did that. And finally, I'm 32 years old, and I, uh, I'm in the commercial real estate business, or I was. But um, I'd had enough. And I told the Lord that I wanted to repent. Now, um, I had brokered and developed approximately 500,000 square feet of commercial real estate in Chico. That's equivalent to the Chico Mall and all of the satellite buildings around it. And the last project that I had um, 
uh, well, I had earned enough money to where I could pay off the mortgage on my mother's house, which I did. And the Lord brought a woman into my life that was going to be my wife. And, and so we got engaged, and I told my mother, I said, you know, uh, I'm getting married. And my mother was just furious with me. She did not want me getting married. And so she uh, wouldn't make eye contact with me, and, she, and I could just see her gritting her jaw. And, and uh, she wouldn't talk to me for about 24 hours. And then uh, on my wedding day at the wedding reception, I was so excited because I thought, wow, you know, I grew up fatherless. I'm now going to have my father-in-law. He's going to be a positive uh, mentor in my life. And, and I was just excited. And my father-in-law walked up to me and he said, well, Mark, she's all yours. If you ever get into any trouble, don't come to me because I won't help you. <laughs> and so then for the next 26 years, we got together monthly with my in-laws and my father-in-law would browbeat me. And several times he had me in tears. And so. Um, This is about, uh, oh gosh, 1990, and um, I was the uh, general partner and the developer of the Safeway Shopping Center on East Avenue, and um, my contract called for me to be paid a tremendous amount of money, enough money to where I would never have had to work again if I chose not to. And my partner decided right at the last moment that he was entitled to all the money and he wasn't gonna pay me. So I ended up settling with him out of court for eight and a half cents on the dollar. And um, then after that, um, my brother-in-law was a uh, real estate developer over in Reno and he asked me to do some work for him and I did. And after a year's worth of work for him, he decided he was gonna stiff me too. And so um, I, uh, suffered a nervous breakdown. And um, I was sitting in my living room and I had a loaded 357 on the table next to me and my wife was sitting on the couch and I picked it up and I put it to my head and I was gonna blow my brains out. Right in front of my wife. And all of a sudden the Lord struck me blind and he gave me a vision. And I saw this rosebud come up, and then it bloomed into a beautiful rose. And I heard the Lord say, Mark, your value is in my eyes. See, my value wasn't in my mother's eyes, or my father-in-law's eyes, or my business partner's eyes, or my sibling's eyes, or even my wife's eyes. My value was in the Lord's eyes. And so I set the revolver down, and I had told my uh, Christian counselor, uh, about what happened, and he said, you know, I, I think you need to check into the Mineral Minor Clinic down in Roseville for observation, and so I agreed to do that, and they decided I wasn't going to harm myself or anybody else, and I came home, and while I'm recovering, uh, I decided I could not go back into the real estate business, and my wife walked up to me, and she says, well, I want to start having children, and I want to be a stay-at-home mom. 
And I said, well, you know, that's fine. Uh, we can start having children, but you're not going to be able to be a stay-at-home mom until I get established in some type of career. And she got mad, and she stomped off and then slammed the bedroom door behind her. And, and so um, we never had children. Uh, for the next 10 years, I struggled. I could not hold a job to, to save my life. But anyway, um, I started to get really angry with God. I mean, I was just so angry. And um, I had been paying tithe. And I, just, I figured that, you know, your promise in paying tithe is that you would protect us from the devourer. And uh, I'm not a farmer. I'm not a rancher. I'm a realtor. And I expected you to protect me from crooked partners and, and from me getting cheated. So I was so bitter and angry with him for not protecting me. This is my most treasured possession that I have. It was given to me by one of my sisters. And she had my name engraved on it. And uh, I decided I was going to rip out one page at a time every day. So I tore out the first page, and my wife took the Bible away from me and hid it. And so then, um, 1996, I was praying, and I was talking to the Lord, and I said, Lord, I'm supposed to have a gift of the Holy Spirit. I don't speak in tongues. What is my gift? And I heard the Lord say, you are an exhorter. So I said, okay. And then I gave my testimony to three separate individual men. And they each said, well, Mark, you should do jail ministry. And so I grabbed the bull by the horns, and I went over to the Butte County Sheriff and talked to him, and he gave me a card that gave me access to the inmates 24-7. And so I started looking in the paper, and as people, as I would see people being arrested, I'd go over there and I'd call them out of their uh, cell and I would witness to them and then later I found a uh, group that actually did jail ministry and I joined with them and I'm not a preacher I'm not a Bible teacher I'm an exhorter and so I had a connection for uh, paperback Bibles uh, it cost me a buck a piece and every time I'd go into a pod I would take 15 to 20 Bibles with me and I would take a handful of daily bread pamphlets and I'd hand them out, and I'd give my testimony. And so um, in 2002, I knew that there was something desperately wrong with me. And so I hired a neuroforensic psychologist to evaluate me. And he said that um, I have severe PTSD, that I have clinical depression, and there is no cure for it. And so I thought, well, okay, um, the Bible says that in the book of Genesis that the Lord gave all seed-bearing plants and herbs to the benefit of mankind. And I thought, well, marijuana is a seed-bearing plant. Uh, <laughs> it might be a good idea for me to start smoking weed again. So I started growing my own weed, and I started smoking it. And I would smoke every half hour on the half hour from the time I'd get up until the time I'd go to bed. This was starting in 2002. Well, I also had had a 30-year opioid addiction. And suffering with PTSD and severe depression, PTSD was told, I was told that PTSD is rage on steroids. And so um, 
2010, I decided to quit the opioids, and the following year, I quit the uh, marijuana. In 2012, my wife comes to me and she says, Mark, um, I've been having an affair with uh, one of my married co-workers, and he's in the process of divorcing his wife, and I'm divorcing you. And I told her, I said, you know, uh, I really don't want this divorce. She was my own, one and only wife. And uh, I told her I thought that our marriage was worth uh, saving. And she said, no, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm done. Uh, we're getting married. And so she left, and I'm walking around my house, and I'm praying, and I'm asking the Lord uh, to restore my marriage, and I'm telling him how much I had forgiven her. And, and uh, he gives me this vision of this green chalkboard, and on one side of the chalkboard is written the names of all the people that had caused me pain and hurt in my lifetime. And on the other side of the chalkboard was written all of their offenses. And so I'm standing there with this, with this giant eraser, and I'm erasing all of their offenses. And the Lord showed me that I have the ability to forgive. And that started me on a nine-year process of forgiving. And the, what man calls PTSD, the Lord calls the root of bitterness. And so as I had worked my way through the process of forgiving, the root of bitterness has lost its grip on me. In this past year, I have done away with the antidepressants and the mood levelers. And uh, it's, it's just been an amazing year. And so um, um, I'm going to talk about a couple of the dreams uh, that the Lord, or a dream that the Lord gave me, and a couple of the miracles. Um, the Lord, uh, uh, when I was in this home fellowship group, He gave me three miracles, and the first miracle was when I was going to be baptized. Now, it was on a Saturday, a Sunday evening, when I decided I was going to be baptized on the following Saturday, and it's in January. And uh, I wake up Monday morning, and it is raining, and so I pray, Lord, please give me a uh, clear day on Saturday for my baptism. And so I wake up Tuesday morning, it's still raining, and I pray again. Wednesday, same thing, and I pray. Thursday, same thing. Friday, the same thing. Saturday, I wake up, and it's raining, and I said, well, Lord, I asked for a uh, clear day, and uh, it's really important for me to be baptized, so I'm going to go ahead and get baptized rain or shine. And so I showed up at the apartment building, and I went in, and we decided to pray. And while we're uh, praying, all of a sudden the room just filled up with light. And as we exited the rear of the building, um, the Lord had parted the clouds. And I could see the coastal range, and I could see the Sierra Nevada range, and not a cloud in between. And I was baptized, and then later that afternoon, the clouds came back in, and it rained for about another week. <laughs> the second miracle was he was preaching, the pastor was preaching on the 16th chapter of Mark, these signs shall follow them that believe. And when he got to the part of picking up snakes, we all just kind of freaked out because none of us wanted to pick up a snake. And he said, you know, I, I, I don't advocate picking up snakes, but I want you to know that if you're ever in a position to where you need to pick up a snake, that the Lord is going to give you power over that snake. And so um, 
went home that night, and uh, next morning I got up, and as I was exiting my house, I looked up at the clock. It was 8 o'clock in the morning, and uh, when I opened the back door, there was a garden snake curled up on the doorstep. And so I jumped over the garden snake and grabbed a rake and ushered it off my property. I wasn't going to pick it up. <laughs> and so then I go to service that night, and another young man got up, and he was just beaming and waving his hand and going, I got a testimony, I got a testimony. At 8 o'clock this morning, I went to my back door, and I opened it, and there was a garden snake curled up, and I reached down in the name of Jesus, and I picked it up. <laughs> and so then I got up, and I said, I've got a testimony, and yeah, this happened to me too, and, but I couldn't pick it up. And so the pastor said, oh, Brother Mark, we need to pray for you to have more faith. <laughs> And so then the, uh, the third miracle was one of healing. I was at service, and I used to race motorcycles, and I had hurt my shoulder and my knee. And my knee would swell up the size of a uh, softball. And so that night, I got my knee prayed for, and I was healed. I got down on my knees, and I walked across the carpet on both knees. No pain. Woke up the next morning, no swelling. 47 years, I've never had a problem my, with my knee. Now, a few years after that, I had surgery on my shoulder. Now, this is my testimony. This is God's surgery. It's perfect. This is man's surgery. I have limited mobility in my shoulder. So for 20 years, I had prayed and I had asked the Lord, why, 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 why did you give me this uh, three miracles? And finally, he answered me, and he says, because I have absolute dominion over the heavens and the earth, the creatures upon the earth, and over your bodies. Now, he said, over your bodies. He didn't say mind and bodies, because he gave us free will. Mm -hmm. And our battle with Satan is in the mind. And wow. Satan's greatest strength is his deception. So... Uh, I'll now tell you about one of the, uh, the uh, dreams that the Lord gave me. And uh, I call it Normandy because I'm standing on the beach in Normandy, and there are all these barriers. And I'm looking down these line of barriers, and they go completely beyond the horizon. So I start crawling through them, and I get to a certain point where I'm just worn out and tired and wanting to give up. And I lift my head and I look forward and I still cannot see the end of the barriers beyond the horizon. So I turned and I looked behind me and I couldn't see the end of the barriers that I'd already come through. And so I decided, well, it's going to be just as difficult for me to go back as it is for me to go forward. I think I'll go forward. So I kept going forward. And when I came out of the last barrier... I stood on the most pristine beach that I've ever seen in my life, and I've been on every beach from Carmel to the Puget Sound, parts of Hawaii, and Florida. Now, something that the Lord showed me later was Jesus was out in a landing craft waiting to come ashore. He was waiting to meet me on that pristine beach. He was waiting for me to come out of that last barrier. The last barrier, this process of forgiveness and uh, turning loose of all the struggles that I'd gone through. Um, what I would exhort in the Lord is this, that we get back to basics. 
confess our sins, repent of our sins, receive what Christ has done on the cross, receive his, his grace, and forgive, forgive, forgive. Yes, yes. Now, yes. There's, there's just two more uh, uh, things that I'd like to say. Um, 2018, I was in the usher's room here, and I was praying, and I was, I was kind of stressed out, and I was going, Lord, have you really forgiven me of my sins? And I heard the Lord say, are your sins greater than my grace? And I said, of course not. Your grace always supersedes our sins. And then that night when I got home, uh, I was meditating on the Lord, and I asked him, I said, Lord, why would you ever want to have anything to do with somebody like me? And he said, because I created you. Yeah, yeah. And that started this whole process of me drawing closer to the Lord. Yeah. So that's my testimony. Awesome. Hey. Mark, wow. Wow. You know, I want us to say uh, those uh, just three times as he did that word forgive. Can we say that together? Forgive, forgive, forgive. That's amazing. God's amazing grace over your life, Mark. I'm so grateful. Now, uh, there, there are obviously, uh, as we've spent hours together, there's, there's, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely amazed at the barriers that he has come through and onto that pristine shore. And I was particularly touched when we got to the end of the story and he said, for the last year, I'm off of mood levelers and antidepressants and I've had joy for the first time. Let's give the Lord a hand on that one. Woo-hoo. Thank you, Lord. That's such an awesome story. Now, now it's obvious, I think, to all of us, Mark did not share his story today to glorify the fact that he turned off the pathway. But what we do want to highlight today is the faithfulness of God. If we were to start over and do the worship service again, you would hear in every song we sang the amazing faithfulness of God. There's no wall you won't kick down. You have this reckless love for us, and you pursue us. And that's exactly what God has done for Mark. And I believe, I just want to challenge, I feel like God wants to actually heal people here today. People that have been, you realize, as he went through his story, you identified with traumas that have happened in your own life. Some of them that happened even before we were born. And uh, as he was diagnosed, he didn't tell this, but uh, the PSD said it really happened even when you were in your mother's womb. And your grandmother had PSD, your mother had it, and you got it even as you were before you were born. And he said, there's nothing we can do about it. But you know, God is able to intervene for us and change us and work miraculously to bring us all the way through. Well, I think of this promise. And it's God's promise for us. And we're going to stand and pray in just a moment. But it's God's promise for us. And it's Hebrews chapter 13. And, and here's what he says there, Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Now, how many of you know, anybody here in the house need money? I'm just curious. I mean, you know, besides, okay, we're, it's us. 
we realize that PG&E and, you know, et cetera, everything, you, know, you pull into the gas station, everybody, the grocery store. So it's not money. It's the love of money. It's where we begin to live for that. He says, live your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because the Lord has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And when you look at that language a little bit closer, it could be translated like this. I will never take my arms from around you, and I will never abandon you. And those are the things that heal us. It's his faithful love. And he goes on to say, so we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can people do to me? So that's the miracle of what God wants. And I want us to stand right here in his promises, just stand to the close of our service, and we're going to pray. And we're going to ask God, I'm just going to ask for miracles to happen right here in people's lives, people that have experienced deep trauma, things that are were totally beyond your ability to control, and some of them that happened because of things you did, and then there was the result of something. It doesn't matter. God's bigger than both of those. And I'm going to ask him just to heal just right now. Let's just open our hands and put our hearts out to the Lord just right now. Father, 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 we're asking you to work miraculously in the lives of people right now to begin to reach into those deep wounds and hurts and bring healing to us for all of those things, to release in us forgiveness to, and to help us repent of areas that we've not released, but also now to forgive others who have injured us. And we pray, Lord, that you will work miraculously and that there will be more testimonies than we can count that people will look back even on this day and say, God began to do a work in my life, and he has done such great things. Uh, His love is so faithful. He pursues us. He doesn't let us go. Even when we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, and he certainly goes after the one out of the 99 to call us back. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we receive it. We take it, Lord. Right now, just put your hands on your chest, just right in this moment, and say, Lord, I take it. That healing grace, that miracle, that love that pursues us, that kicks down the walls and comes uh, in in spite of our failings, but it's your faithfulness in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everyone said together, amen. Amen. Now, I just want to close with this benediction. Uh, And I want to bless you as you go in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It says, to him who's able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now, and forevermore. And everyone said together, amen. Amen. God bless you today. Go in his presence and in his amazing embrace. 
love one another as you go today. Have a wonderful week, a wonderful day, and a wonderful week.